1: A Celtic state of mind, it's Thursday afternoon, I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm delighted to be joined by John Paul Mason. JP, how are you?
0: I'm good, uh, thank you for allowing me the seconds to go and get my can of juice from the fridge. Uh, (laughs) Real life.
1: (laughs) These Uh, these are the considerations of a live streamer, JP. Am I going to get through the next hour, either without going to the toilet or needing something to drink because I might choke or get a wee bit dry on the, the back of the throat. It's, uh, been the, I've been, uh,
0: it's been a while since I've had a parcel getting delivered at the door.
1: so uh. <laughs> It's good when you pick up the laptop and just take us on that journey, though, to pick up the parcel. That's what we like to see on a Celtic <laughs> state of mind. We are diverse. Um, since speaking, obviously, a lot has happened. I see that there is a, a tribute or a homage to the great man behind you, um, Dyson Maeda. And I was looking with interest. I always obviously watch the pressers. I was watching today's one uh, just before we came on. Um, Breno was saying that he thinks Maida's better up front. What did you make of that comment?
0: Well, I mean, he's better placed to make a call on that because we see him for ninety minutes if he plays ninety minutes than he normally does. We see him for, you know, the, the 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 a brief he's with them all week. It's like spending time with somebody at their work if you're shadowing them. All, all week at their work, then you're gonna get a better idea of what who they are and what they're about. And and you know, you don't you don't you we get to see the sort of ah yeah, the end product I suppose of the training and everything else, but he'll see what he does in training and everything else like that. So ah, look, everybody a lot of people were were questioning whether or not my would fit into Brendan Rodgers' Celtic world. Yeah. And he clearly he clearly does. And I don't know how. I think it was maybe before the transfer window closed. I said the one person that I was worried about Ange Postecoglou coming back to take from Celtic was Dyson Maida because mm. it, it, it's becoming apparent as he's as he's playing now, and as he's always played, but it's becoming apparent now the, the work rate that he has, and yes, he might not possess a wand of a left foot for crossing, and it is frustrating at times, but. Saturday at Livingston, unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Matt O'Reilly was on a different football planet to everybody else in terms of what he was doing, in terms of holding the ball, passing skill-wise, but Ada Ma- matched that with his work rate, I think.
1: Right, so there's two players for me that I think, if you're going to bracket players into a category JP that have improved under Brendan. It's the kind of conversations we were having before we've seen a ball kicked. Who is going to improve? Who's going to be suited to his style? And like yourself, there was a wee bit of concern around Maeda, I felt because uh, we know how Brendan Rodgers uses his wingers. And you're thinking of some of the typical wingers that he had at Celtic. Um, Sinclair was sensational for him first time round. I think Paddy Roberts done really well first time round, but they are different types of player to Maeda. And I, uh, I totally agree with that in terms of the crop. We're asking a a guy who has played the bulk of his football through the centre to cross in ball after ball after ball. So the fact that it's not his forte shouldn't be a surprise to us. But yesterday we were talking, JP, about um, the fact that Ange Borstakoglu was quite rigid. We didn't see Maida move about that much, did we? Maybe switching wings was maybe the the limit of it. Um, And I mentioned yesterday the best uh, piece of play that I've seen from him on the right was where he was able to... um, cross that ball over for Jota's head and it was the the movement, the turn, the cross, all in one swift um, move and the Rangers players were all standing wondering what was going on. So this is the thing that I was going to say. Brendan Rodgers seems a wee bit more adaptable in that respect. So that's why I find this comment quite interesting. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that we should be playing Maeda up front against Motherwell and I'm also not saying that we should play him um, and, and drop Kyogo. Is there a way that we can play them both but play them both through the centre?
0: I I would like to think there is if there's a way that it's going to if there's a way that it can happen it'll be um, via Brendan Rodgers because he's I think on Saturday at Livingston you go there and you've got the the memories of of poor performances Mm. I mean when we got the red card we immediately me and my pal Mikey immediately spoke about the Ryan Christie red card, which if I remember rightly, we lost that game. We lost that game one 0 when Ryan Christie got sent off at Livingston. We did. We did, yeah. We definitely did because that's when Ryan Christie had to uh deactivate his Twitter because of the, the level of abuse he was getting. So um aye, so you think about that and then you think about the way and I've listened to a lot of people say that say this this week in that when the red cards happened, it was a case of right, how are we going to negotiate this? And there's heartbacks to the Edward game at Ibrox and mm. and things like that and pulling over Scott Brown and everything else. But it was it was remarkable how well we played, even with ten men. I felt bad for James Forrest going off because I just when it, when I saw he was starting, I was like, right, great, it's a chance for James Forrest to maybe put a bit of criticism back down people's throats because he's v- much maligned despite his credentials and everything else. People think he's got nothing to offer. I, I, I've been on record on here saying that I think he has got something to offer and then you get ridiculed in the comments and everything else. And then why why is Brendan Rodgers starting him in a, in a, in a crucial week game? People will go, oh, it's only Livingston away. It's one of the... 38 games that we need to negotiate to win this league. So it's as important as anything else. And it just shows you that he has the trust of, of the manager. And uh, so, yeah, but the, the game the on game Saturday, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I just, There was something about it that made me think, right, we're really, really demo, demolishing this hoodoo that, that's hung over us. And as usual, texting my pal, Scott, He's a diehard Livingston fan. And uh, I said to him afterwards, I said, I said to you after the last time we came out here, because I met him outside the ground, and I said, that's that hoodoo gone. Like, we're coming here and we're coming away with the three points. Like, this this myth that Livingston should be entitled to get something against us just because they're playing in that ground, um, that, that's gone now. <laughs> and, like, long may it continue. And it, it, it made for such a refreshing watch as a fan. You're, mm-hmm. you're standing there in a ground that you notoriously know has been a difficult place to come. You're down to 10 men and you're 2-0 up. And and 2-0 up and let's not get uh, the cigars were out. We were, playing, cool. we were playing really, really well with 10 men and uh, I think it was, it was uh, John Hughes said yesterday it just makes you think that it, it forced Livingston to try and play against this and as he said like maybe going down to ten men is no is no bad thing because it actually makes the other team think that they've got a chance and and then try to play but we can just play right through that mm-hmm. so yeah no, i feel a doubt. genuinely one of the most enjoy weirdly despite it's well, it's not exactly the maracanã is it but like it, it just, i just i really really enjoyed it as a, as an away fixture and i wasn't even on the on the on the alcoholic beverages, <laughs> there was a visit to Chiquitos, the Mexican restaurant in the Levy Center beforehand, and I and I um, abstained because I was I had the uh, I was doing a quiz at King Tut's later on, so I had to I had to be sensible. I didn't want to, you know, uh, blur the blur the mind. So, I I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: You know, your mate Scott did he take that the fact that the Hoodoo is gone, uh, the rebels
0: he started questioning where the hoodoo came from. He's like, oh, there's no such thing as a hoodoo. And I'm like, well, well Brendan Rodgers hadn't won there. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how many games Brendan Rodgers has actually played there. Maybe not that many, but. He
1: drew nothing each. And, and the first time round, JP, we played Levy twice. We beat him 3 mm-hmm. nothing at home, and we drew nothing each um, at the uh, no. Maracanã, as you call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's only Maracanã. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he, he had one one at home, he'd drawn one away. Then you've mm. got, the after that, the, the Neil Lennon period where we didn't win a single game mm. in Livingston uh, League game. And then the first league game that we played there under Ange, we lost, obviously. That was a 1-0 uh, yeah, game. Yeah. So mm. that was definitely a poor run. And that that is what you do as a football fan. You call it a hoodoo. Uh, it then becomes a thing. It then becomes a difficult hunting ground. There's a psychology behind it at that stage. And like you say, the only way you can get rid of it is by winning games. And mm. I think that the last couple, actually, um, have been like that, whereby we've we've kind of coasted it. So I, I would say, yeah, the hoodoo is gone. Absolutely. Um, and the, the one thing I was going to say to you, because I know you go to a hell of a lot of away games, uh, both domestically and in Europe. And, you know, it's a conversation you and I have had for a long time, but the kind of wider conversations about Scottish football and the way that Scottish football does things. So we go to that that stadium there at the weekend. We get the three stands, J.P., even though we get the three stands, the one stand Livingston have got, they can't fill it. Yeah, mm-hmm. loads of empty seats. But if I'm going to give them credit, I'll say fair play to to Livy for for knowing that it's a good business decision. I know that you've had that. That's got the discussion with that Alan Burrows, and he reckons it's short termism. I disagree. I don't see the long term. Um, you know, you can you can work on that one stand anyway. They give us the three stands. We sell them out. It's a great atmosphere. Um, does it disadvantage the home side? I don't think so because whether who do at that stadium for long enough, but it's Scottish football though. The fact that that is um, in the minority that that club is in the minority for doing it. It's Scottish football that we go to Motherwell at the weekend, and Scottish TV has got a, a TV Scottish football rather has a TV blackout. So, you know, you can't get to the game if you can't get a ticket for for Motherwell. And you can't even watch it on the TV unless you do a PBV. It's just Scottish football. And then last night, you look at the officiating. I don't like talking about anything other than Celtic, JP. But, you know, we've been on the end of some wrong decisions. Uh, Just in the Livingston game, I thought the officiating was shocking. Not so much the red card, but other decisions. And then you see that decision last night. So it's just Scottish football time and time again. We get defensive of it when other people call it tin pot, JP. But then you look at some of these things, you think, how can we defend it sometimes?
0: Well, the, the thing on Saturday, and by the way, just go briefly going back to Livingston, I don't know if there's some sort of sign outside of, uh, the macaroni stadium, but unless you're over six foot five, you can't sign for Livingston. Like The, the size of that team I know. Is I know. Unbelievable. Like, Obviously, because you're closer to the pitch, you're not you're not as far away as seeing him at Celtic Park or whatever, but like, some of the size of the guys, I mean, the guy they brought on as a centre half, I think it was, was it Brandon maybe? I don't know if it was Brandon or, I can't remember all the names, but it was a the guy they brought on and I just thought, my God, he that's that's not right. He's about seven foot. Um, you see him next to like Yogo and Hatati and things like that and you're like, wow, what chance have we got? But then... They got done for the pace, and they've not they've not got the pace to keep up, and that's ultimately what caused the penalty, I think. Um, but yeah, go back to the game on Saturday. I'm working on Saturday at uh, the garage on Socky Hall Street, so I mm-hmm. looked at the times and everything and thought, right, half twelve kickoff, I'll go into uh, Simon Donnelly and Jackie McNamara's pub, the one that's right next to the garage. Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll get to see it in there, and. Uh, Sirens on call. Uh, <laughs> Always I, at this time. At all. Always I, at this time
1: on a Thursday.
0: Just, <laughs> uh, so I thought I'll go and watch it in there because I can't. My, my load in is at two o'clock, so I can't. There's no way I'm getting to Motherwell and back for yeah. two o'clock. It's, that's just impossible. So I have to sort of swallow that one and accept I'm going to miss a game, which is a tough a tough pill to swallow. I'm no I'm not lie. Because when. when when you get that that high like you got last Saturday, uh, uh, that permeated through, through my entire weekend, and it wasn't just the it wasn't just the score, it wasn't just the score or the result, it was the performance, the manner was, in which we did it, uh, oh, definitely, yeah, percent, yeah, and so I mean that's why they are so miserable over there, you know, because they're maybe getting results like they did last Sunday, but still booing their team at the end of it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the difference. Anyway. So I was thinking, I'll go and watch it in there and then just walk the two-minute walk to the garage and then find out that it's on uh, Motherwell pay-per-view or whatever. And I yeah. don't know what the rules are for pubs showing a game. Like, can pubs
1: buy is that? Is there a commercial and... option? That's a good point. I'm not sure if there is a commercial option. You would think there would be. You, you would think similar to Sky Sports, etc. cetera, they, they would be able to subscribe to it.
0: Well, obviously, they could do it on the fly, but then are they, are they risking licensing?
1: Big fines, aye, ah, big fines. Well, um, I don't know. I don't well, know this this is going. the thing. It's just like we're, it's 2023 and Scottish football haven't got the basics right. We can't get the basics right when it comes to pitches, right? So, Tony Macaroni, shocking surface. Top division in Scottish football, shocking surface. We can't get the basics right when it comes to officiating and we'll come back to that right and we, we can't get the basics right when it comes to broadcasting now back in the 70s the nasl at that point different now soccer wasn't a big deal you know in america because it was baseball and american football and it was and it was uh, what's the other one basketball right so but they knew the the importance of broadcasting back there back then They knew it back then 50 years ago and they nailed it 50 years ago. That's why the league ran and had so much money for so long. Their broadcasting rights were sensational. English football cottoned on to it. I think Italian football cottoned on to it a wee bit before with the Channel 4 deal. English football cottoned on to it. We're still not cottoned onto it, JP. We're selling the fans short. Not everybody can get to the game for any number of reasons. You've given a very specific reason. Loads of people are the same. Loads of people are disabled, can't get to the games. Actually, people don't live in Scotland, can't get to the games. And we can't watch the game of football. Scottish football, when it comes down to it, is amateur hour. It really is. It would be another example.
0: It would be different if there wasn't an audience. <laughs> it, I would know. If, if, it would be different if, there were, if you knew that, oh, well, well it's, 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 there's nobody's going nobody's gonna to watch that. It's like, have you any the idea? The demand anything? is there. The demand
1: is overflowing. I know.
0: I know, because there's only so many tickets that you get for Motherwell. I don't even know what the allocation is for Fur Park, but you can be damn sure that there's thousands upon thousands of people that want to watch that game.
1: Um, Just just by the way, JP, we got a a DM from one of our listeners, big shout out, who said, listen, I've got a spare ticket for Livingston. I'm going to send it. What's your address? I'm going to send it to you. And what I want you to do is I want you to sell it, give it out as a raffle, do something with it. Whatever you make from it, give it to me, to Jamie Tierney. Wow. So that happened, a big shout out actually, that happened. And I met um, our very own Colin Watt, took the ticket, uh, paid the, the price of the ticket and the money is going to, to Jamie Tierney. So again, it's like you say, JP, there is a huge demand. There's a high demand, not only to go and, and, and watch the game in person, but to watch it on the telly. How on earth are we going to market the game? When we can't even get the basics right, and as I say, people have been getting it right, even non football nations as they were at the time were getting it right 50 years ago. And Check us out, we can't get it right 2023. Shocking. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna to have to ask you though, you're going to the garage, a yeah. wee digression. Here's you go, there's a the big gong. Wee digression. Um, one of the best gigs I ever went to was at the garage, and it was the beta band. Um, oh, wow. I can't remember the year but I always put my tickets in the old CD inlay. I used to take the plastic bit off, stick them under it, so the ticket will be in the album. But um, unbelievable performance at the garage. It was sensational. And obviously they're a bit of a cult band and all that, but it's, it's a cracking venue. Who is it you're working with on Saturday?
0: A uh, band called Gengar. They're playing in, so there's three rooms in your garage. There's the main room, which is where you have have seen the beta band, and where Prince played, by the way. He played a gig in there, Great. a late-night gig, a, a cash-in-hand gig. Like he basically, played the SECC and then uh, his management were looking for an after show for him to play. And uh, Donald McLeod from the Garage uh, fronted up the ten grand that he wanted to play the gig. Came along, didn't even wasn't even guaranteed that he was going to play the set, and he, and Donald was told that he came along at like half 12, one o'clock, and uh, played a set for two and a half hours. Wow! And Donald filmed the whole thing, and he's got a he's got a VHS of the whole gig. Is it ever
1: been put anywhere screens anything like that you
0: know, we bits of it have been released, but he's never shown the whole thing I, so
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure there's a link to Celtic Prince did play Celtic Park in the early yes. 90s so there you go there's the link
0: I, there I, are, I, I would like that that to me I mean I, prince is the best artist I ever saw live, like 100%. I like hundred percent saw him four times and to see him at Celtic Park would have been it was like was it like 93 or something like that 90
1: don't know. 90, you know 90, I, it was Cassidy. Terry Cassidy came in and he had all these commercial ideas, and and one of them was we're going to use the stadium for gigs. So there was a there was a series of gigs. I know that previously the Who had played at Celtic Park many and many that's, years before. That's the sensational Alex Harvey band supporting. Mm-hmm. There's a great poster, JP. Don't know if you've ever seen it. A great poster. No. And there's like a football that's getting kicked into space from Celtic Park, and it's the who, and it's got the, it's got the support and everything. Brilliant. So wow. Terry Cassidy, the much maligned Terry Cassidy, who was responsible for bringing a young guy to the club to look after the club's finances called Peter Lowell. Um, so Terry Cassidy did that. He also looked at things like, how else can we make money at Celtic Park? And that's why he started doing gigs. You 2 played there, Prince. Um, the support act for Prince was Shakespeare's sister. Oh, aye, that's who supported Prince, um, and there were others. I'm trying to remember. Let us know in the comments. There were other bands played at Celtic Park. Wait, wait, wait. Were they one of them? I don't think they played Ibrox. But um, give us a shout. Who played oh, at Celtic Park? It simple minds. They played Ibrox and they, they flew a tricolour above the. <laughs> I have that story. I have that. You know who it was? Brian Adams. Brian Adams played at Celtic Park. All oh, right. Cool. Um, obviously, he was huge back then at that time in the early 90s well, well, because of that well, Robin Hood song.
0: Well, well, we're, aye, well, we're talking music for the very brief moment in time, what a couple of minutes. M- uh, music
1: at Celtic Park, JP. I'm music at bit,
0: Celtic well, I'm, Park. I'm sure when Nick Kershaw tomorrow night, which I'm really, really excited about. So, yeah, he played the original Live Aid, yeah. four songs set at the original Live Aid. So, it'd be cool to meet him tomorrow and hopefully he's a nice guy. and the show's good. Is it more and more sold out? It's been sold out for a year, I think. So, is that
1: right? Um, uh, was that eighty four? The original. I remember mm-hmm. watching it on the telly. Yeah, yes. unbelievable. But there you go, Celtic Park. What other bands have you seen there? As well as the guys like Liam McGrandles and all that. I remember, I remember seeing. Um, I remember seeing Andy Lynch's son Simon playing before a game, acoustic guitar on the side of the ah. park. Oh, definitely. Has, has there ever been a Celtic player who's also played live at Celtic Park? Simon Lynch, there you go. A wee bit of trivia for you, ladies and gents, talking of which, let's get you involved. Paddy Lavry, afternoon to you. The two Patricks, Paddy Lavry and Patrick Harold, first right out the, um, what would you say, right out of the cages. Aye, there you go. Good to see the pair of yous. And we've got Edward Moore. Good afternoon, guys. Do you think James Forrest, now, JP's already mentioned Forrest, I've written it down here, I want to talk about that. Do you think James Forrest will start against Motherwell? I think it will be Yang on the right. Now, James Forrest, I did feel sorry for him. JP, and I think that when you look at the fact, I would need to double-check this, but from memory, this is his 15th campaign in a Celtic jersey. I think this is his 15th campaign in a Celtic jersey. Mm-hmm. He has scored and obviously assisted in every one of those campaigns, having scored and assisted more than 100 times. Um, he's hurtling towards 500 appearances, which he might make this season. But it was a surprise when he was in the start 11. What does it say to us? Is, is Brennan Rogers looking at that I'm thinking it's a bit of a safe bet. Dodgy Park, uh, Forrest knows knows it well. He's played many, many games here. He knows what's required to get a win here. Uh, rather than maybe what we've seen against Feyenoord and Rotterdam, where we're throwing in one of the new, the new signings, he looked a bit like a rabbit caught in the headlights. Not for the entire performance, JP. I would say for the first half hour, he didn't mm-hmm. really contribute. Um, and we couldn't really afford that. At Livingston so it was like right I'm going to go with my tried and tested and I'm going to put James Forrest in there and actually throughout the season I think there's going to be a few occasions that, that Rogers decides to do that is Motherwell one of them?
0: I hope so I, I, I do hope so and I think the clues in some of the, the chat that Ro- Rogers has given in press conferences where he said things like I like my teams to have a Scottish core I, like, mm. mm-hmm. I like to have Scottish players playing in my side if possible obviously uh mixed up with uh folk from other countries of course, but I think he's obviously got in James Forrest a player who's clearly fit, is hungry, despite his numerous medal hall his medal hall and his appearances and everything else. I would I would suggest that James Forrest will be someone that is keen to make a contribution and keen to maybe shut a few people up. Because despite he's not being in social media, I'm sh- I'm sure he's not deaf to the 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 thought process of a lot of Celtic fans. And if I was in his position, I'd certainly want to get a jersey on and go out there and bang one in and turn round and be like, uh, maybe I wouldn't do that because you'd <laughs> get it tight. Um, <laughs> it, it, it would be nice to be able to
1: remember see. Remember, Van Houten used to do it. The big Hulk Hogan. He used to do it. I don't it.
0: know if he was doing it to the Celtic fans necessarily, or if he was—I don't know who, who he was doing it to. But I don't think it was. I don't think any of us really doubted him his uh, no. abilities. Right from the moment he stepped foot on a pitch in a Celtic strip, you could tell he was different gravy. I mean, his touch was just unreal. I remember the interview with Tommy Burns after his debut, and Tommy Burns talking about—he's not just a big, you know, lump that you just. Fireballs up to you. you can play it to him on the deck and he'll, he'll turn somebody and score. And, and he did <laughs> on his debut.
1: And um, what a goal! Hearts, wasn't it? Hearts, Hamden, yeah, one each Hamden. November, yeah. I think. See, I, I, I remember that as well. Looking back through the old uh, newspaper archives, actually, uh, we we beat a couple of English clubs to his signature as well. So it just shows you that you know, back in those days, we could do things like that. JP, we just can't yeah. do it now. And I'm talking, I think, was Sheffield Wednesday were interested in him at the time, um, and, and we got the deal across the line. There's a player that we brought in and really developed because he came from, although he was coming from the, the top league in, in the Netherlands, he didn't come from one of the fashionable clubs. He came from NEC Breda, where he hmm. had scored goals, I think, over a period of two or three seasons, prolifically. And by the time he leaves us, you know, he goes down to England, he gets into the Dutch national squad, he, he goes to final. Everywhere Van Huydonk went, he was prolific. Now, mm-hmm. I know he divides opinion among Celtic fans. This is something I found quite interesting. It came back to the fore when we announced that we were going to be um, working with him on a gig. Mm-hmm. So he's coming over next month, actually, to Simon and, and Jackie's place. Don on Max. Sold out, completely sold out. Um, but I, I did get a bit of heat online for that. But listen, I expect a bit of heat from time to time, JP. And I understand why people would say it. And a lot it because I, I would much rather say, why don't you want Van Huylen? He's this, he's that. But the big thing that came back to me was the the comments that were made around the homeless. remember that when, when he was in, oh, the, yeah. he was in a kind of contract dispute with Fergus McCann at the time and um I think at that time he had come over and but I'm paraphrasing here or, or it's throwing memory seven or eight grand I think he was on at the time, but then we had brought in cadet and then we had brought in uh, the cano, and they guys were on fifteen grand. And this was his dispute. He wanted, there was an agreement of sorts with McCann, you do well, you get more money. Ah, maybe at the end of your contract, mate. <laughs> or maybe when people are, are trying to sign you and we're going to try and keep you. But uh, he he wanted moved up to 15 grand. And the comment that, that was quoted in the paper was, that might be alright for a homeless person, it's no okay for a professional footballer. But to this day, he maintains he never said that. And it was mm. a stitch up. And it was a stitch up in the press. So, there you go. I'd much rather put them on a stage and ask them the question yeah, than, than go by the 1990s press and the way that they were working at that time, and some might say they still are, JP. So I, well, I think it's a, it's a decent debate. It's a decent discussion to have.
0: No, absolutely. And and just, just going back to the, uh, the, the what we were talking about there, because as, as ever, we went off on a tangent uh about,
1: what, which... What, off on a tangent, was it the garage? It's we've never got back well,
0: yet. We've never got it was back. It's because oh. I did that celebration and we started talking about Van Huydel. No, but you were talking about the players, the current players. I think there's maybe an element of protection that Brendan Rodgers is trying to give the new the new guys because mm-hmm. maybe they're not quite ready and we're putting in guys like uh Yang and, and Palmer who haven't really had that, that chance to sort of acclimatize really. And away at Livingston, I think there's been a lot, of, you read, obviously you read stuff online and things like that and it's never really a, a a massive reflection of what everybody thinks, but I've seen enough of it to think that quite a lot of people think this, that we've signed dross this summer and why didn't we like open the chequebook properly and sign a couple of five, six million pound players? Now, I'm certainly of the thinking that we could have and maybe should have gotten if we could have a Jota, an a Jota equivalent or a Carter Vickers equivalent signing in the in the transfer window. But I don't I don't subscribe to the idea that the players that we have signed are drops, no. uh, because that that seems to be what some people are thinking. And and I think maybe in order to maybe protect them from that a little bit, Brendan Rodgers is going right. Well, I'm going to play a guy that has been around the block and in this moment in time in the early part of the season while we're preparing these players because some of these players that have come in clearly aren't for now they're for they're for the future as, as, as we've always done but some people are okay to adapt and hit the ground straight away and some people aren't and that's why you've got Quan starting in the, uh, the B team and Tillio playing in the B team as well Obviously, that's more to do with they're in- coming back from the injury and whatnot. But I, I think, I think there's definitely an element of trying to protect the new signings. That's just a, an idea. I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it just is just how I maybe think.
1: I, I think that's that's fair enough. And um, there might have been an argument to suggest that that is where we've gone wrong a couple of times. And you know, one of them was probably Kilmarnock, where we've we're throwing Odin Tiago home who, by the way, mm. I rate, and I, I do rate highly, I do rate yes, highly, so um, but is that the best? It's all right with hindsight. I, I would need to go back to my pre-match to see if I was happy with him playing, but mm. is he is that the best game to put that 20-year-old in? I think mm. at the time I was probably flying the Awata flag, because I, I, I really rate Awata in that position. Mm. Uh, I, I don't care for him at centre-half or right-back, but I think central midfield, defensive, is his best position for us. So I probably would have gone for him um, and it, that wouldn't have been my hindsight because I'm a big fan you come up against fire nerds uh, I was surprised Palmer made it over Yang I wasn't shouting for Jamesy e. Forrest You know, I, I thought Yang would have played um, both two, two of them, both new players James Forrest would have been a safer bet he knows European football We've played at that level many many times but I know that had he appeared on that team sheet that night there would have been a meltdown um, and, and James Forrest it's his testimony of year, so I don't see it as a a sympathy vote, that, or we'll give him a couple of games because it's his testimonial year. I actually think that there is a contribution you can get from him. Whether or not he's going to start at the weekend, I'm not sure. I think Motherwell away would be a good opportunity for someone like, not you I don't think Tilly was ready, like you said, but maybe Yang coming back in for a start, maybe Palmer getting his second start. It could, it could well be an option there so I'll be very interested thanks for the comment and thank you to Double Denham for coming in on the comments I would like to see the new signings particularly Palmer Phillips although not sure if he's fit Roger spoke about him earlier Bernardo Antilio getting some game time this weekend priority has to be the three points I totally agree with that last bit. um I think um, Kettlewell had a good record since he took over at Motherwell, and he was talking about Celtic and how um, he's looking at that Kilmarnock game and how they were able to, to play us and play us well, JP. And that's all fair and well, he's doing well, but I think he's up against a wily old fox and Brendan Rodgers who knows how to look at Motherwell and say, I can identify your weaknesses and I know how to play against you. So I think it's going to be a very good uh, challenge for us. Rodgers has intimated that Nat Phillips, uh, when asked if he would be fit for Lazio, he intimated that he would be fit for the weekend. So I'm going to ask the question Double Denim's brought it up Thank you very much for your comment Right, he is fit Let's say he's fit He's fit for selection Who's your two and a half CP? Well,
0: this is another, this is another uh, snooker move, isn't it? Where you're looking for your next shot And your next shot is Lazio at home Yeah Which <laughs> is, uh, is, is, is a different kettle of fish No disrespect to Motherwell But it's a different kettle of fish everything you hear about Lazio at the moment is always going to uh, uh, accompanied by oh they've had this terrible start to the season and all the rest of it is that I, I, don't, I don't really care about how they've started domestically, it's Celtic in Europe our record at home in Europe is not great I don't know why people suddenly think this giant magic wand going to appear out of the sky and, and make everything okay next Wednesday because I'm going to go into that game with the same apprehension that I have with every game obviously there's a degree of confidence with the way that the team's playing and the way that we've negotiated uh, again different different levels but Livingston away with 10 men Feyenoord away with 9 men um, you, you think you kind of think that we're somewhat better equipped to deal with this challenge at home than we have been but we haven't got the defence that we, we would ideally like and that's the problem with who do you play on Saturday because you need to have some sort of rhythm going into that game and Lagerbielka's suspended for, for Wednesday. So, therefore, <laughs> does he drop out and does Nat Phillips come in? That, that's, that's I can that's see it.
1: the thinking. I can see the thinking. You, you want to get that partnership. You, obviously, there was 45 minutes against Dundee. When Phillips and scale played together, then Phillips gets injured. So they've only played 45 minutes of football. They're coming up against Lazio next week because they're going to start coming in thick and fast. And so I can see that thinking, JP. I don't think you're dropping Lagerbielk through bad form. I don't no. think, you know, that it's one of the ones Rogers is going to have to manage it because if Lagerbielk does drop out, Rogers is going to have to manage him one yeah. to one. Um, this is my reasons behind it. And I think professionals will understand, you've got Lazio coming up, Lagerbilt can't play because he's red card against Feyenoord, Phillips needs the game time, he does know that level of football, Champions League, Uh, he's played at a high level, and uh, I'm pretty sure if he hadn't rolled his ankle, he'd have played in every game, leading up to that game against um, obviously Lazio, uh, but also Feyenoord, so yeah, I can see that being a change, and it's not due to bad form. It's not a punishment for Lagerbeuk because he's he's made mistakes, etc. Um, I, I think that at this stage we probably wouldn't have expected Lagerbeuk to play so much first team football. There's no way he was bought ahead of Novroski for a jersey, but he stepped in, and I think we've seen enough for him to think that you know, as a backup, he looks like a I, really good option.
0: I, th- I I rate him. I don't I, I don't have an issue with him. My, my mate uh, my mate Chris in Australia messaged me and just said. Duke Evans is going for Lager Bielka in the same way that he did for Starfield. Right. And I have I haven't heard it. I mean, I don't listen to super scoreboard religiously. I listen I listen to it here and there. Um usually for a laugh in uh <laughs> in the wake of in the wake of a result from elsewhere in Glasgow. But um I think most people do that. But I didn't hear Hugh Evans commenting about a bit Lagerbielka. But apparently, yeah, he's he's basically labelled him a bomb scare and blah blah blah. And it's just like that's that's poor. I mean, the guy's he's a he's a young guy. He's just changed leagues, and you've got a guy in his seventies basically chastising him for his early.
1: big audience.
0: We're a big we're a, 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 a big audience, and and as you and I both know, when someone says something. It can travel and it travels, and, and, it suddenly, travels. It's, and, yeah, and suddenly it's the opinion of everybody and everybody associated with that club or whatever that organization. So, I, I think that's poor, poor from him. And, and I, yes, he dilly dallied on the ball at Ibrox, was fouled, and then obviously the foul was given. And yes, he put his hand up against Feynard against that player. I, th- I still think he was incredibly. Uh, Hard done by in that instance. I don't think that's like naivety on a massive scale. I think that's just I think it's unfortunate more than anything. I mean, look at that foul last night. No, no foul. <laughs> like absolute shove. Like no, no foul. That's insane. Like, <laughs>
1: and, and you know that there is there's a lot of things wrong about social media. There are, there are. We know that. But what I do love about it is the fact that you know, you might in your head think, I'd love to see that alongside uh, that decision at the weekend there. Motherwell, when they were breaking away and Tavernier, you know, landed yeah. on his backside. Lo and behold, somebody puts it beside they sit and you're able to watch them last <laughs> night. And I'm just thinking, where is the consistency? But I'm going to go back to, to Hugh Kevins. Hugh Evans has been on a Celtic state of mind. I need to put this out here, right? We've got an unbelievable archive. You just need to search through the YouTube channel. Um, we, were, we were recording podcasts for three years before we appeared on the screen uh, during the, the, the pandemic it was so there's there's a huge archive and I did interview Hugh Kevens um at some point in the last six and a half years so um seek it out is what I would say. Paul,
0: um, Gallagher, Paul Gallagher one that was my that was my day dot with
1: this this channel. You were there That's... for the start then that was the first episode. Yeah that was the I, first episode Paul Gallagher
0: I saw, saw it appear and on Twitter, and I was like, Oh, that'll be an interesting interview actually, because you don't really hear from him that much. I mean, you know then, he does, that's right, he does DJ sets and stuff like that, and he's kind of on the coattails of, of Liam when he's playing live and things mm-hmm. like that. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: I bet he's got a story to tell, and that's what made me want to
1: listen yeah. to it, So, yeah, I remember reading his book that he wrote with Terry Christian, um, and it was funny, but it was also like a different take on everything that had happened. Uh, Obviously over that period, it's a short period of time where they went from playing pubs to, to being, you know, the biggest selling artist in terms of live music in British history at that point. But Mm -hmm. I remember that. I remember that JP, because I remember looking at you on, on Twitter going, Oh, John Paul Mason, that's the guy, and I'm reading that New Order book, I'm going, that's the guy that used to put on gigs in Scotland for New Order. But it would have made you about 60 years old. And I, met, I messaged you, I was like, you're the same guy. No. <laughs> no, uh, but the, he also, just to tie it in the Celtic
0: for anyone getting their knickers in a twist, um, he mentions a story about, I don't know if it's in that podcast or if it was in the book. It is, it's in the pod, aye. The pod where he talks about the the, the his dad, the, the dad, the Gallagher's dad never bought them anything. But the one thing that they do remember in buying them was three Celtic mugs. So he bought Paul, William, and Noel a Celtic mug, mm-hmm. maybe on the ferry coming back from Ireland or something like that's that. Right, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's just that's a long time ago that I listened to it. But yeah, and, and they, they immediately fell for Celtic because of that and because mm-hmm. they tie in with the memory of the of their childhood, which is
1: yeah, I'm going over to Ireland every summer uh, yeah. to visit, to visit yeah. the, the family
0: to Swinford and County Mayo mm-hmm. by the way and I don't know if I've told you this before but I used to go out with a girl from Swinford so I know that street and everything and it's obviously next to Castle Bar and uh, uh, Westport and uh, places like that so um, it, 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 I, I know that part I know exactly where, where, they, where, they, would, where they would go oh, There's no
1: doubt There's no doubt. Paul, Paul was the real deal you know how a lot of people align themselves to football clubs because it's trendy but you mm. know Paul running buses in the 90s coming up here uh, for games and all that. In fact, I think a lot of his contacts were from the Bathgate area and they would come up and maybe meet people in Bathgate and all that.
0: What? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, aye. So there's a Celtic supporters club who know Paul Gallagher and they're Bathgate based.
0: Well, I know, not well, but I know some of the guys. um, Stephen Gallagher, the golfer, is one Mm of them. So the crowd that he runs about with in Bathgate, guys like Jed O'Hara, um, uh Burnsey, there's, there's there's all these guys that were all like a few years older than me, but I knew they were all like proper Celtic fans when I was a wee guy and I was just like, oh they're they, are, they are, like pro like they go
1: to the games and the- <laughs> they go to the games they are allowed like, to drink booze and all that kind of stuff. Um no but that that's the Paul Gallagher thing. And again i have digress so apologies. But uh Hugh Evans was one of the not even one of the early interviews, but he got interviewed. I remember going through to the studio, I think it was in Clyde Bank, and we interviewed him there, and he's talking away about his Celtic upbringing. And it, it took me back to the the Commitments movie, which I've not watched in years, but I love. And it's a picture of the Pope next to Elvis. And he was like, in his house, it was a picture of the Pope in Charlie Tully. He said, that's what was in his house growing up. But as we know, in terms of media, things happen. People then have a completely different take on Celtic as a whole or individual players. But I'm going to tie it in because a few weeks ago I was talking to Tosh McKinley, and remember the the headbutt incident with Henrik. And uh, Tosh got a phone call. He was like, "Look, I'm don't, I'm not talking about it. I'm in enough trouble. I'm not talking about it to anybody in the press. What I'm not going to do is sensationalise what's happened. I want to, you know, get on with my business. I've I've been fined. I'm just going to get back into the team, back into the manager's favour. I'm not talking about it. You're not getting a quote from me. The following day there was a double page spread." from Hugh Kevens, you know, with a quote from Tosh, he was raging. He was raging. I'm going to have to try and see if I can find the, the actual um, interview in inverted commas. Uh, so Tosh waited until Hugh Kevens was back on the radio and phoned in the radio show and <laughs> took up my task live on radio. I'd love to hear the footage. Anybody out there with a link to it, let us know. Whoa, and he, I, he, yeah, so he phones no. up, Hugh Kevens is like, Shog, I, I never said that, and I told you not to print it, so I'd love to hear that, he, he was like, That's I was not, not let, was not letting him away with that, you know <laughs> um, <laughs> so if anybody can remember tune in, because you know what it's not a big thing, me being in Fife it's not a big thing listening to the radio phone so mm-hmm. I certainly didn't hear it but um, somebody out there might have heard it Xander Mack, um, you don't know what you've got till it's gone, give Joe Hart another year, we were chatting about Joe Hart um, yesterday and I think that I have been a fan. I remember saying that pound for pound, he was the best player we had signed under Ange. Obviously, mm-hmm. Matt O'Reilly's proven that completely wrong at the moment. But Joe Hart, for me, everything he brought to the club was just what we needed at the time with the leadership, the experience, the cam head. And yeah, he's made a lot of mistakes over the piece, but I, th- I thought that when Brennan Rogers came in, JP, um, we were going to get a season of, a a lot less drama out of Joe Hart. And I think we have had so far, People are pointing to what happened at the with the free kick. Okay, got sent off. That's his first sending off in something like 750 games of football. Yeah. Ever. So, uh, my, my opinion of Joe Hart's not changed. And I agree with Xander. I think Joe Hart, for me, another season, even if we've brought in a goalie who might end up being your number one, JP, I think we keep Joe Hart at the club for as long as we can.
0: I agree. I, I agree. And uh, again, there's been plenty of people that have slagged me I, I quote JP's defending of Joe Hart is tragic to listen to or something like that that was that was one of the that was last think.
1: week wasn't it I heard that I've seen it
0: no, no, it's happened a couple of times apparently like, apparently he's no good he's done he's, he's a dud you know get rid of him we've won five trophies out of six with Joe Hart and goal yeah. for sure that doesn't happen because you're you're just coasting he's been a huge huge factor in Winning us those those trophies, yes. We're now you can now chalk it down to five out of seven because we're out of the League Cup uh, so far, but we've still got two more to play for this season. And as I said prior, if at the end of the campaign, well, currently we're one out of one in the Champions League, and if people are seriously blaming Joe Hart for our defeat against Feyenoord. Then I think you're looking to point blame more than correctly point pointing blame. I think mm-hmm. I, I, that's how I would put it. That's that's more a, a desperation to be right about something. You know, I, I think at the end of the at the end of the campaign, if Joe Hart has thrown many goals into our net and it's and, and it's quite clear that he's not good enough uh, at that level, then fair enough. I'll I'll, I'll hold my hands up um, and say. We should have, we should have definitely signed another keeper, and Joe Hart wasn't good enough. But I didn't leave that game last week in Rotterdam thinking Joe Hart's done this; it's his fault and blah blah blah. Just uh, I'm not saying that to back my own comments up. I'm just saying because I, I I say what I see, and obviously it was horrendous to lose that free kick right on half time. Matt Riley gave away the foul; it was a needless foul.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a bit so like Billy you could take that back to the first booking. I don't know he get yeah. the second one, but the first booking seemed so. For me, that that was an issue. I, th- I thought to myself, that that was a cheap booking. So you mm-hmm. could take it further back, couldn't you? And you're right it's, about O'Reilly.
0: really. I just think when you when you praise a team, it's a collective effort, and when you and when when a team loses, they lose as a team. It's, that's their mantra, you know. They don't throw people. They don't throw each under 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 the bus. And I just don't think that we as fans should do the same I think it's it's quite unbecoming really when you just single out somebody to be a scapegoat or whatever I think it's, I mean if someone clearly over a consistent period of time isn't playing well the the chances are they're going to get dropped (laughs) it won't be on us to make our opinions heard They'll, they'll, they'll clearly not get a game but when people are continuously getting picked, they're getting picked for a reason and Guys like James Forrest last Saturday got picked for a reason because of his performances and training, his attitude, his relationship with the manager, all of that. Greg Taylor playing through a bad spell. Folk were wanting Greg Taylor gone again and what move scales to left back and everything else. And you're like, whoa, (laughs) like we're just forgetting about Greg Taylor from the last two years. It's the kind of. Where's
1: the goodwill? Where's the goodwill in the tank? The two years of playing consistently evaporates like Hmm. that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but by the way, you're talking about being selected. Uh it gives me a great opportunity to say after this particular broadcast I will be going through to pick up the jerseys for the Celtic Select side who will be playing St. Rock's JP and uh, some of the names who will be playing on that day. Guys like Joe Miller, we super Joe Miller, Rudy Vata will be playing at the back. We've got Andy Payton up top, Tommy Johnson. Uh an incredible team. An incredible team. And to be honest with you, a bit mind blown. Uh, last just earlier
0: this week, obviously, they're wearing their away strip then because they're the away team.
1: Well, that, that's a good point, uh, JP. Because the strips I'm picking up are green and white hoops, so right. Um, maybe we need to speak to St. Rocks about what they've got to be wearing. <laughs> Didn't consider that I've never put a football game together in my life, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, yeah. but I during the week there, it was it was surreal. I actually messaged you, it was that surreal to announce that John Clark would be in the dugout um, with the Celtic side uh, alongside the management team in there as well. So that that's going to be sensational and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be brilliant and I know it's sold out, but anybody who's got a ticket, fair play. For anyone who doesn't, we are going to try and be better than Scottish football. We're going to try and live stream it. We're going to try and put it on the channel, JP, and uh, there's a couple of people I'm talking to who are giving me their expertise because I'm very mon- much one for if I want to get something done, I just get the professionals in to do it, and that's everything from uh, at home, you know, getting an electrician in, I'm not going near it. Uh, a plumber, get a plumber in, I can't go near it. I'm not very good at that kind of thing, and it's the same with video production. Just get somebody in that knows what they're doing and get well, them to when do,
0: do it. You deal with an event of this size and this importance, I think it's wise to to do that. And I, I spoke to my mate Michael at Forrester Black, and he was talking me through some ideas about it basically saying you need three cameras mm-hmm. and one quite high up positioned on the halfway line because you don't want it to be like you don't want it to be level because you'll not see anything so you want yeah. to have like some sort of platform on the halfway line to to film like left to right and then uh one more at a corner and then a static one like maybe behind the goals or something like that
1: yeah yeah and then move it to the other goal Always have it behind the, the goals he, itself.
0: Even Mullins message saying no clash of strips. So
1: oh yes, no. Cheers, no. so, right. <laughs> I I've even considered it. I remember uh, it was at Stuart Pierce when TFI Friday was a go to on a Friday night. Stuart Pierce was on it, and he had taken over interim the Nottingham Forest manager's job, and he was talking about that first night before the first game that he was the manager, and he picked his team and they didn't have a goalie in it. And it's just wee things like that, JP, that you, you take for granted. But when you're asked to do it, it's not as easy as it sounds. I remember playing a few of these charity games when the late, great Frank McGarvey was the manager and he he regularly used to play 12 players. He would send 12 players on at the park, sometimes two left backs, two goalies. It was oh, great fun. You're looking for a, a Frank McGarvey image?
0: I was looking for my DVD. I've got a DVD of the full game that I played at Celtic Park. Um, Have you? Yeah. I, I. am yeah.
1: scored a hat-trick I remember you Joe Miller
0: Joe, Joe Miller was my manager and, well my player manager so I played
1: with Joe Miller which was totally yeah. surreal um, it, yeah. it is it is surreal. was Danny McGrain involved in that? was he in the but opposition was, team?
0: Uh, I, I I I nicked the ball off Danny McGrain and then ran into the box and won a penalty I just <laughs> apologise I'd stop running and apologise <laughs> that's what I, I was scored the penalty as well it us.
1: Well, uh, yeah, it's it's in the top 10 days of my life. Aye, so brilliant. And it should be, and it should be, JP. Ewan yeah. uh, Boy Martin, should be a really good game on Saturday. Good to hear from you. Yeah, you and Ewan was in Waterdam as well. I think we will start to see the real Celtic playing at a higher level with a 3-0 win. There is a moment, I think the, the other Monday there was with Simon Weir, and we were done our Wonder in Paradise. And there was a moment, JP, where he just said, we we just need to like cough and then it will just it will click. Now that that is football tactician of the year because he was right and it, and I think we coughed it against Livingston and it's going to click. Um, Cardiff Carnell has just received his one hundred twentieth anniversary of the hoops. So you got that one, yeah. by the way, JP? Did you get one?
0: hi uh, yeah. Do uh, I, I, you know what? It's still in the packet. I've not opened it. Oh. I, do, I don't know why. I just I just put it down on a shelf in my bedroom and I've not opened it yet. So I'm. I'm I have seen it in the flesh, but I'm uh, I'm waiting to. I'm waiting it. for the moment. It's
1: like my big brother; he buys trainers and doesn't wear them just every so often. I haven't, worn, I,
0: it's haven't it's my, I haven't worn my Celtic Sambas yet. They're they're still in the box, fresh in the box. By way, see what I remember. See the Livingston thing. See when the boy ran onto the pitch. Yes. And obviously, there's been some cynicism from some corners. Twenty-minute Tim's tweeted and said that the, the, this child is a great actor. <laughs> and I, that is amazing, right?
1: However, it is. But by the way, people on Twitter would have thought that they were actually claiming it,
0: uh, Not to, to be fact. I know, I know, I know. But I mean, I saw, I saw it for what it was. It, I, it was a brilliant moment. I, 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 think an iconic moment as well. Because, I'm not saying that that moment suddenly everybody loves Brendan Rodgers again. That maybe didn't. But just to see him walk towards the Celtic end particularly the the green, the, the hardcore, the green brigade like with his arm and the wee, wee boy, just, know, uh, know. there's a shot from the back and it's just brilliant, like proper. And then he gives the, gives a fist punch. I, I think like, he's gone from people questioning whether he's having a good time with his sort of reserved demeanour in yeah. his yeah. It's, that's starting to relax a bit now and you can see that he's bristling and he's kind of like, I, I, I'm going to prove that I am still the manager that that can do this job, and and, and the, that defeat in the league cup, I think that could be the spark that that gets us going, um, and and gets us really really competitive for everything that we do because he'll be he'll be gutted that he lost that, and there's a, there's now semi-finals at play that we are not involved in, and mm-hmm. you can point to those nights and go we should be there let's make sure we're there for the Scottish Cup and let's make sure we are back again next year. Get our trophy back, you know, because it is kind of become our trophy.
1: Mm-hmm. But it, it's his standards, isn't it? And, and that will to win, he hates losing. But there's a couple of things there. There were moments, I think, in Ronnie Daila's and Ajposta Coglu's career away from home where they've gone up to get the applause. I think you and I spoke about this. Uh, both at Pataulge, they, they go up to mm-hmm. get their the applause and there's a moment. It's the first time you see the Ronnie Roar, for example, or And goes up and he's beating his chest and everything. And you remember these iconic moments, and they're almost turning points in the relationship between the fans and the manager. And I think that we know Rib Brendan, he's been here before, but there was that moment. There was the same kind of feeling, sitting away ground, wee bit of adversity, we are sending off JP, and he goes up there. And it just so happens the wee fella has uh, sold a few dummies and he's getting, but then he's getting taken down. Um, and Brendan goes right over. I love it. There's a, there's a moment where he shoves one of them at the road It's just like, just no, leave him.
0: I've got a video. I was I was filming him. I always take a wee clip. I take I usually take a minute clip of the game just to uh, have, and then I usually take a, a wee bit of the celebrations at the end. So I was filming Brendan Rodgers as he walked across, and then that, and I heard the boo for the the fans because the wee boy had been kind of tripped up or whatever, and. As Rogers is running towards the this the incident, my mate goes, "Oh, you can hear my mate going, oh well, in Rogers." <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> so, hi, uh, brilliant. mean,
1: and did it. you notice that the the, the steward that, that ran away from Rogers? He looked like the guy the uh, Nightmare Nightmare Before Christmas. He had these big long black legs. Did you notice that, like I, really I thin
0: legs? I was, aye. I was, I was. I was too fixated on the iconic moment that I was seeing on phone before That's my eye loved it.
1: But another thing about Brendan Rogers and his demeanour and the way that he's coming across, I'm gonna throw something at you here. Remember when Neil Lennon came back? And people said, That's oh, not the Neil Lennon I remember. Remember he was mm-hmm. very reserved and you know, kind of low-key. That I'm talking about the end of Rogers' last season at the club, and mm-hmm. he got the job done and took us over the line and we won the treble. And then Eventually, we you know Neil's own personality started coming through again. But I just think there was a period when he was bedding in, and obviously Rodgers is back; it's his second term. there, there are comparisons and there are similarities there, but I think eventually we will see the the fully you know confidence branding that we're used to.
0: You know that's a good contrast and comparison because Neil Lennon coming into that Celtic job is coming in to take over from a guy that had become an absolute yeah. living legend and icon mm-hmm. who admittedly had left under uh, a bit of a, a bit of a shadow, a bit of a cloud. But he maybe had an, sort of an inferiority, com- inferiority complex, so maybe felt that he couldn't be himself. And maybe, and I hadn't thought about this until now, maybe Brendan Rodgers coming in after Ange Postacoglu. He's coming mm-hmm. in after a guy that has been completely and utterly... Lionized by the entire support. I mean, I, I said at the time when we beat Rangers in the semi-final, and the, the roar from that crowd at Hamden was like something I hadn't really heard before. It was unprecedented. Uh, there's that connection between the manager and the and the support. So I suppose it kind of stands to reason that it would maybe feel a little bit kind of like, was well, this my desk? Is this my club? You know, I, I've been here before, but I have to, I have to kind of earn that again. Uh, and and he's, he's going about it the right way.
1: No, you're right. I think it that is. It's interesting. An interesting point, Barry. O'Sullivan, uh, We'll ask Paul on the team. A shout out. That's a shout out to Jungle Lion, who is very um, more often than not, I would say, in the top ten. Commenters, you know, first on the show, and uh, we haven't seen them today, so hopefully everything's all right with you. Jungle mm-hmm. line, uh, the underwater cabbage salesman. Happy birthday, good afternoon. Uh, can canny whack a bit of axle on your birthday? Happy birthday, and I hope you have a fantastic day and a fantastic weekend as well. And David Boyle watched Motherwell. They like to hit the ball to the number ten position, so I'd be playing four two three one with a Wata, a player who's already been mentioned today, and give all a run out. Good preparation for a tighter formation for Lazio, and now this is the thing, Rogers used to say, he's not say that as much this time around, JP, he used to talk about the team finishing the game being as important as the team starting the game. So the team finishing the game, is that going to look more like the team against Lazio? It's hard
0: to tell. I I guess it just depends. Like I said, it's a snooker move, isn't it? It's about how you want to prepare for that next game. I mean, I know that they always say you're the focus is all on Saturday, and we're not thinking about the game afterwards. The manager isn't thinking that way. I, th- I think the players, perhaps, and almost certainly, but the the manager will. It's not as if you just forget that you've got this giant game on the horizon afterwards. So you have to be you have to be picking your team with an eye on that game. There's no way that it's just that you just don't you just blank it out and go on all one game at a time or anything like that. It's his job to be thinking about that game. So um I I think that the central defence pairing is the is the is the biggest conundrum I would say. I think the rest of it he's probably not got too many question marks next to who he's gonna play. But that central defensive pairing is crucial I think to, to how it'll be on, on Wednesday. I can't wait for Wednesday. I mean that's I didn't get to either of the Lazio games last time, so I've never seen Celtic against Lazio. I was in Poland for the away game, watching it on a laptop behind a merch desk in a wee venue in Warsaw. (laughs) And I was in uh, Paris for the home game, watching it on a laptop behind a wee merch desk. In fact, I'll never forget the home game. Probably told this story before, but uh, I was watching it and I had my Celtic top on and the twilight side were playing on a boat. I think it's called Platt FMR. That's the name of the venue. And I said i drop on and I had my laptop down on the left-hand side on top of a box and it was 1-1 and my stream cut out, right? And it was, I was like, no! It was was just in the last 10 minutes or whatever and I was like, no! And then stream cut out and a guy walked by me like to go to the toilet and he went, he went, no bad, eh? 2-1. And I was like, what? And he was like, it's 2-1. I went, my streams, my stream's cut out but I think it had come back but it was lagging or whatever and then mm-hmm. he held up like whatever the French equivalent of uh, I don't know like BBC Sport or whatever it was like the, the, the French scores and he, he clicked and he went to the Champions League and it said I just looked and it said Celtic 2 Lazio 1 and then I looked down at my, <laughs> I looked down at my screen as Julian scored and I just went absolutely mental um, I'm glad that it wasn't during a quiet song otherwise I'd definitely interrupted <laughs>
1: Okay. Um, and I yeah. was talking about Celtic part that night And I'm going to say it we Andrew Innes with the primal scream. Now, <laughs> Brown Warrior um, And by the way, I've seen you at a gig uh, Watching Celtic on the fly Behind a merch stall It was a Mogwai gig It was there that long ago you Oh remember? yeah, yeah. Um, Brown Warrior He's handled his comeback the right way In my opinion Talking about Brendan Rodgers And I would agree with that I think he is He's not made it all about Brennan Rogers, has he? It's just been like, he's just came, came in back into the fold. He knows he's upset a lot of people. He's going to have to try and get them back on side slowly, but surely uh, pitch invader by pitch invader. He will do it. Uh, green, Sunrise podcast. I had the absolute privilege and pleasure of being on the Green Sunrise podcast a couple of months ago. Um, how are you doing, boys? Not had a chance to watch you guys. I hope you're all well, heal, heal. And what they do is fantastic work uh, to raise awareness for mental health struggles. Anybody out there, give the give them a follow. Subscribe to them on YouTube. Always good crack. Very, very good podcast. So get it checked out. I've got to say that has gone very quickly, JP and. We did have our usual deviations and tangents, and that's just what happens. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed that. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. We'll be back tomorrow at 12.30. We'll I'm a to get these strips.
0: Two seconds. I must say something. Uh, I just wanted to say to John Matheson from the Leith CSE, I've given him a, a mention before, but uh, apparently he's not doing too well. And Michael Taggart and his boys uh, send you all the best, as do I and everybody
1: else on Axon, 100% as well, yeah, nice one, shout out from JP there Um, thoughts are with you, Uh, keep fighting and hopefully you get better soon, now Axon, uh, we'll be back tomorrow 12.30 and it's always an absolute pleasure um, to hear your thoughts and Jungle Line, hopefully will be joining us then as well thanks everybody for getting involved and thank you to John Paul Mason for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind Cheers Paul